Hey everybody, good to be with you for an online worship service. Just a brief and friendly public service reminder that this whole place exists for one purpose and one purpose only, which is to proclaim the gospel of Christ Jesus. So with that in mind, let us keep our eyes focused on that and read from the scripture before we worship. Romans 8, 10 says this, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The church is not about making bad people good. The church is here because our Lord Jesus is bringing dead people to life. In that spirit, would you rise up wherever you are? And I, you've told me that you, you feel uncomfortable singing at your phone. Overcome it. It's worth it. Let's sing. Here we go. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn. Chains break at the 
shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. Your 
church family. So uh, good to be with you. And uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us. And I'm so thankful for each one of you that's faithfully staying connected to us online every single week, uh, just connecting with us. Uh, Grateful for the day and age that we're in where that's possible. Well, I want to just mention a couple things uh, going on in our church community. But first, uh, one of the ways we have a, a heart to continue serving people both online and people here in the church is through prayer. And uh, if there's ever been a time in our nation where prayer is uh, critical, uh, now would be it. And so one of the ways that we've set up, we make it real easy. You can just send a text to 97,000 with whatever prayer request you want us to lift up for that week and our staff. And if we have an elders meeting, we lift those up in prayer. And so I would love to see you participate in that, just texting 97,000. Well, lots going on as we're starting to ease back into different things on our campus. We still have, uh, obviously, a a blend of some things online and a blend of some options here at the uh, church outside. And one of those things was uh, women's uh, one-day retreat this weekend. And so uh, excited to hear back stories about that. I'm confident it's going to be an amazing time. But they have continued ways to connect, whether it's an online Bible study uh, during the week or we're starting Uh, once a month to have these courtyard ladies gathering. And our next one is scheduled for 6.30 p.m. on Monday, October 5th. And so I know Adrian and the ladies would love to see uh, you out as part of that so you can mark your calendar. 
Another thing that we're excited about is continued ways to serve in the community, and that's still uh, serving through Caneo um, Valley Meal Program. And uh, once a month, we were uh, meeting and uh, serving meals prior to COVID, and now we're packaging meals. And so it's a little bit more detail involved, uh, more details involved with that. But we have an opportunity coming up uh, on Monday, October the 12th, to be a part of an assembly team where we meet here in the church in our own kitchen and help assemble meals that will be served uh, through that program. So if you're at all interested in that, we would be thrilled uh, to have you participate. You can reach out to the church office anytime uh, if that is an area of interest. For the men we have coming up, we're really looking forward to uh, our men's retreat. That's a one-day event here on our campus, and that's happening on Saturday, October 17th from 2 to 9 p.m. Just going to be an amazing uh, day of activities we've got planned, some fun stuff, some crazy stuff, and uh, great eating. Uh, but in, more important than that, we have a, a, a spiritual emphasis and worship time there that's going to be just fantastic. And the way that we have it set up, we're calling it kind of a, a fireside chat, if you will. And so you get to direct what the conversation looks like that evening. And so when you do register, men, if you wouldn't mind just taking a second and just jotting down a topic or an area that you'd like to have uh, discussed in that uh, one of those sessions. So looking forward to that. Uh, men, make sure you get registered. That's again, Saturday, October 17th. Well, finally, just want to encourage you just uh, so faithful in ongoing giving here of the church. And we're really grateful for uh, just your investment. And as you probably see each week, we send out updates with how we're doing financially. We do, as we're approaching the end of the year, uh, have some ground to cover. And so my ask is for you to prayerfully consider what your part in that uh, might be. But again, we're thankful for that. Your ways of giving, as usual, are still, whether it's by mail, online giving, whether it's our app or through our website. Again, grateful for that. Uh, fun to see where some of those resources are going. And sometimes I'm, I'm like, man, it's hard to keep the church in, uh, up to date with all the different things that we do trying to bless and serve in the community. One of the ways that we reached out this last week uh, with the resources that are uh, directed to us is our compassion ministry. If you remember last year, we raised the money uh, to build a church in Bolivia, and that's still in progress, and we're excited about that. And uh, they reached out to us just mentioning that until that church is built, there's tons of need in the surrounding community. And they want, even during the build time, for that to be a, an epicenter to bless the community. And so we uh, sent a check from the church because of your faithfulness in giving for $3,000 this week uh, just to help over the uh, upcoming months. And so excited to see that. Also excited for our own church and all that God's doing and how he's using us as instruments in the community and reaching out with the love of Christ. Looking forward to now just a time in God's word. And uh, Josh is gonna be teaching uh, this week. And so if you wouldn't mind just joining me just in prayer before he comes up. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and kindness to us in just so many just traumatic ways in this season. And even though it's been a difficult run, we still see your fingerprints all around us, and we're grateful for that. Now, we ask as we're gathering uh, consistently around your word that you'd speak to us, God, that you'd be present, that you'd be moving even in this time. We invite that in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, church. Three words for you to start off this wonderful uh, time together. Massive life transitions, 
massive life transitions. What are, what are some things, some thoughts, some feelings that come to mind when I talk about some of these massive life transitions? A new job, moving to a new home or a new place. Probably some excitement, uh, at least eventually, but what are some emotions, feelings, thoughts when I talk about the process of getting there, the process of getting to the end of the transition, being in the middle of it? Probably stress, I don't know, maybe some other negative emotions. Uh, my brother Lucas and his wife Lindsay, yes, my brother and I both married Lindsay's for those that weren't aware. Uh, and yes, it's sometimes difficult, um, but it's pretty great. Uh, it's confusing, but it's the best. Um, my brother Lucas and his wife, they are in the process currently of a transition. They got a new home and they are doing some work on it. So in the meantime, they are not able to live in their new home. They had to move out of their old home. They are uh, living with Lindsay and I at our place. And so they are in the thick of it, uh, living in a super tiny home that's not their own and just trying to deal with construction and all that stuff. The process is not always the best. Uh, Lindsay, my Lindsay and I, we have to do that at Antioho Gatherings, my Lindsay. Uh, my Lindsay and I also in the middle of a transition as it comes to our family. Um, so I wanted to give you guys a little adoption update. Um, we are putting the adoption process on hold. Actually, the agency made us put the adoption process on hold because we are pregnant. We did it again, celebrate good times. And uh, you guys can guess uh, what the gender is. We actually already know we're just past the 12 week mark. And uh, we already know the gender, which is sweet. Technology is the best. And uh, if you were to look over at the shirts represented here, the majority wins out. Yes, we are having a little baby girl due here in early April, uh, which is super fun. A couple of frequently asked questions that I figured I'd tackle. Um, one, the doctors have no reason to believe that anything that's happened so far in any of our other pregnancies will happen again. So we are uh, excited and uh, definitely a little bit of nerves involved, but very excited uh, to welcome little baby girl here in April. Yes, we are going to continue with the adoption process. That is continually on our hearts. The adoption agency makes us put it on hold uh, until new little baby is six months old. So hopefully next October, about a year from now, uh, we will get back up and running with the adoption process. That's the plan. Um, so the outcome of transition, super, super exciting. Man, we're looking forward to hopefully a really beautiful transition in our family. Uh, however, the process is sometimes stressful, is sometimes rough. Uh, we had an appointment yesterday for a big ultrasound. And uh, even leading up to just that ultrasound here at around the 12-week mark, we had some complications. And uh, not to get into too many details, but yeah, definitely worried. There were some things that happened that resembled uh, one of our previous miscarriages. And man, we've been on pins and needles for the last couple of days. Um, but praise God, everything looked good and uh, we're moving forward. So man, transitions, the outcome, really great. The process, sometimes pretty, pretty rough. Uh, the title of my message today is Transition Time. There's lots of transition that we're gonna see today. Even the section of scripture that we're in is a transition. It's kind of this in-between time of Jesus and his ministry. He was just in Jerusalem and he's about to head to Galilee to like get after his, uh, his public ministry. Um, 
But first, he's gonna go out and spend a little bit of time in the country with his disciples. Let's pray, and then we're gonna dive in and take a look. Dear Lord, uh, Father, we are excited to be back here in the book of John, uh, in your word, learning about your ministry. Uh, Lord, I pray that you just speak during this time. Um, Lord, transitions are a very big part of life. Um, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Um, we thank you for your goodness. Open your word up to us now. Uh, Lord, I pray that I'd stay out of the way and that you would speak. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, the first transition that we're gonna look at here in John chapter three, you guys can flip over there. We're gonna discuss three different transitions. And the first one that we're gonna look at is old baptism versus new baptism. Old baptism to new baptism is the first transition. We're starting in verse 22. After this, now remember, uh, Jesus had just been hanging out with Nicodemus, right? That's what we talked about last week, earlier in chapter three. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. So as I mentioned before, Jesus and his disciples, they leave Jerusalem, they go out into the countryside. His disciples are baptizing people. John, meanwhile, goes over to Anon near Salim, that's in Samaria. So they completely, John and his guys, completely leave the area and go over to Samaria. Uh, he's baptizing over there. So here, I thought it would be uh, important to discuss kind of this beginning of this transition that's gonna take place over the next few years. I have a question for you. Have you ever read through the accounts, the stories of John the Baptist and thought, why is this guy baptizing? Like, what is he doing? Why is he dunking people in water? What does it even mean? Uh, kind of embarrassing, but actually it's just been within the last just couple of years, the last little bit, uh, that that idea kind of, uh, stood out to me. In the past, I feel like I've just accepted the fact that John the Baptist, well, he baptizes people. That's his job. His name is John the Baptist. That's what he does. Um, and, uh, but it kind of hit me, wait, what's the significance before Jesus's resurrection? Because um, we know the significance of Christian baptism today, right? We just had baptisms here at the church a couple of weeks ago. Um, basically, Christian baptism today is a declaration. It's saying, I follow Jesus, publicly declaring that to everyone. Symbolically, we're being united with Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. A Christian is saying, I am dying to my old life. I am dying to my sin, and I am being raised to new life with Jesus. So why is John baptizing before Jesus's death burial, and resurrection. Has anybody thought about this? Maybe it's just me. Um, so I, uh, I spent some time just looking into it this past week and uh, found some really, cool, some really cool stuff on the topic. You guys interested? Yeah? Excellent. Um, so first of all, John did not just randomly decide that he was gonna start dunking people in water. He's not like the kid at the pool that just wants to just like push everybody down. It's not that guy. Um, it comes from uh, a Jewish tradition where people were cleaned in these ritual baths called mikvahs. 
Uh, I have a couple of pictures of mikvahs um, from our time when we were in Israel. Uh, you can flash those up on the screen. Um, the second one, there's our tour guide kind of uh, showing them. I know it's not great pictures, but you at least get a little bit of, of reference to it. Uh, these mikvahs, people would go in and it wasn't for the physical cleaning. That's not the reason why they were going in. Uh, the purpose of going in was for a ceremonial spiritual cleaning that they'd receive before they went into temple, before uh, they did some of their religious things. Actually, still today, uh, in the Jewish religion, they use a mikvah. And uh, I learned this past week, uh, and it's very coincidental given our title for today. But coincidentally, nowadays, uh, the Jewish people use a mikvah, wash in a mikvah during times of transition. It's kind of uh, used to signify a new start in life. I thought that was very interesting, coincidental for what we're talking about today. So that's a little bit of the history. However, John here is taking it, he seems to take it a different direction. So John's message to the people was what? Messiah is coming, repent. You guys are living this way, stop that and live this way. Now, if you agree with this teaching that I'm bringing to you, then be baptized, be immersed in water as a sign that you agree with this, this teaching as an outward expression of an inward decision. Sound familiar, right? That's, that's what Christian baptism is today, right? An outward expression of an inward decision. How cool is it? It's almost as if God had a plan to take this thing that was steeped rich in symbolism of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection to start it before that whole process even began, paving the way for the transition to come of what baptism would look like after Jesus's death. Pretty amazing, right? It's crazy. All right, let's transition to uh, section number two, where we see the transition from John to Jesus. Go ahead and look at verse number 25. I'm, I apologize for the bad wink. I feel like I'm a better winker than that. Verse 25. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. So we don't really know uh, any details about this discussion. Uh, we just know that the religious leaders were not on board with John's teaching and therefore did not get baptized by him. Uh, okay, so a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they, John's disciples, came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear him, hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. So John's guys, they come to him and they say, hey, this Jesus guy that you've been talking about, all of our people, like our people, they're all going over to Jesus. What are we gonna do about this? And John's response is interesting. He responds with a wedding illustration. 
So in my role uh, here at the church, uh, I've ended up doing a handful of weddings uh, over the years. Most recently just did uh, my brother-in-law Scott's wedding just a few weeks ago. It was really sweet. Shout out to Scott and Katie. Uh, Congratulations. We love you guys. Um, That was just a couple weeks ago. So I've realized a couple of things about me over the years. My personality type is I trend towards being the center of attention. Um, I like when everybody is looking at me and I don't know, like I'm just one of those people and I get that and I understand that about myself. What I've learned is when I'm doing weddings uh, that that doesn't necessarily mix uh, all that well. So I have to make a conscious choice when I'm either writing my message for for the ceremony or even just doing the wedding uh, that I need to focus on not making the day about me but making the day about the couple that's getting married and really focusing on putting the attention, the spotlight on them. Here, John is using that illustration and presents himself in the best man role. It is not his day. He is not the center of attention. It is all about the groom. In his illustration, who is the groom? Who's the groom? Kids at home? Jesus, great, Sunday school answers, they always work. Jesus is the groom. And John is saying he is genuinely excited for Jesus. He wants the attention to be completely on him. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor John uh, did a message on John the Baptist. He called it living from the second chair and just kind of dug into the humility of John the Baptist. It was really good. You should go and check that out if you have not seen that yet. Uh, I'm not gonna reiterate and go into a bunch of the cool stuff that Pastor John talked about, but I did wanna point something out uh, that really stood out from today's passage. And I think it speaks to John the Baptist's headspace, kind of where he was at, his perspective in order to live the way that he did in regards to Jesus. And it's here in verse 27. So if you look back to verse 27, it says this, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. A few weeks ago in our high school ministry, uh, we've been going through and just talking about the church over the last few weeks. And a few weeks ago, we were talking about the power of the church. Where does the power of the church come from? We had this cool conversation talking about how the power of the church doesn't come from amazing leaders, awesome speakers, the people that are in the church. The power of the church comes from the spirit of the living God moving behind the scenes. And uh, I was just kind of real with my students and was just honest and told them, man, how often I need to be reminded of this truth from verse 27, that we can't receive anything unless given from the Lord. Uh, Because if I'm being honest and real, there are times uh, over the years that I've been here at church where I can start to uh, think that, man, I'm good at my job. I'm a good youth pastor. Look at the cool things that are happening in the lives of our students. And uh, I feel like the Lord continually, regularly needs to bring me back to this thought and just reminding me like, Josh, wait, what did you do? Can you change anybody's heart? Um, What impact, like what role did you play in like shifting the the spirit within this student? I I can't do it at all. And it's crazy because the Lord then brings me back to months before when it feels like it's this time of transition in ministry and I'm on my face before the Lord, just saying, Lord, you're gonna have to do something. Lord, please do something. I cannot do anything. I can't change the hearts of these students. Uh, And continually coming back to this place of remembering how desperate I am for the Lord to show up. My question 
for you today, at least one of them, is how convinced are you of this truth? That you can't do anything, that you can't receive anything apart from the Lord. Every single good thing comes from him. That all of your success, all of your provision comes from the Lord. How often do you need to be reminded of that truth? Is it good to be reminded of that truth yet again today? And my question for myself and for all of us is why does it sometimes take these times of transition, this process that's hard, stressful, and painful to bring us back to this place of remembering our complete dependence on him? Our last transition, number three, is from the old covenant to the new covenant. Go ahead and take a look at verse number 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Okay, we have arrived. This one is the biggie. Our previous uh, transitions from old baptism to new, from John to Jesus, both fall underneath this big picture transition of old covenant to new covenant. That's kind of what this section, this whole section is getting at. John the Baptist was sent for the very purpose of setting up, of preparing the way for this huge, huge transition. See, the people of Israel were God's chosen people, God's elect. They were superior just by birth automatically. They had the Mosaic covenant, which Moses made with God on Mount Sinai, man to God. Every single Israelite man bore the sign of this covenant physically on their body. They had rituals, they had laws that God gave them. They added to these rituals and laws, creating this amazing religious system that they had. They had no need for personal or individual repentance because they thought they were already good. They were already good. No need for personal individual repentance. They're set. It's to this group, the Jews, that John is preaching, repent, get right with God. Renounce your dependence on your ethnicity for salvation. It's not good enough. It's transition time. Here's what is good enough. God is coming down to earth from heaven in the form of man. This God-man, the son, is the only way to salvation, the only way to eternal life. Look there in verse 36. This is a transition that's been thousands of years in the making. The outcome of which, the outcome of this transition is the greatest thing to ever happen in the history of humanity. Absolutely incredible. The good news is that salvation is free and it is for everyone. However, the transition process from the old to the new was not pleasant. On the contrary, it was actually quite rough. There was a power struggle, at least on one side, 
There was torture. There was murder. There was a huge group that was clinging on to the old, not willing to let it go. It was rough. I was thinking about that and how that so flawlessly fits with where we're at in our society right now, um, just because I know that this is a super weird time for a lot of people. Um, Due to coronavirus, there are so many unintended transitions happening in our country, in our world, uh, even here in Agora Hills and in our church. Uh, I know there are people dealing with transitions of jobs and needing a new job, uh, even needing a new career path because their industry has been swallowed up by what's going on here. People that are needing a new home, they're either needing to move locally because of job stuff or potentially out of state. Um, there's changes in lifestyle going on uh, because of this. And uh, man, I I just kind of felt a little bit of the weight of that this past week. And I just wanted to say to you as one of your pastors, um, hold on, hold on. Let me encourage you that regardless of how long or how hard a transition time may be, when the Lord is in a transition, when he is moving behind the scenes, the outcome of the transition is always for your good. It is always for your good, regardless of how it feels here and now. Back in Jesus' day, there were, uh, there were two different groups. There was kind of two different ways to respond, right, to this, to this transition that was happening. Uh, there were those that got on board with what God was doing, and there were those that just didn't. There were those that got on board with the new that God was bringing into this world, and there were those that uh, clung to the old and resisted. I look at John the Baptist and I think, man, how amazing that he got to be a part, um, that he was kind of in, that he got it. And uh, he got to be a part of this crazy cool transition that God was doing. And I was thinking, man, what would have happened if, if John the Baptist was like the selfish guy, right? If he was uh, in it for himself, kind of on his own plan, like, can you imagine a selfish John the Baptist, like holding on to his followers, like clinging on to them, trying to bring them, fighting with Jesus for popularity? Um, Like, what would that have looked like? Would that have changed anything? Like, let's be real, the old covenant to new covenant transition still would have happened. The John to Jesus transition still would have happened. The only thing that would have been different was John's role in the process and his legacy moving forward. And I just think about that for us today, just how much there is to be gained by being early adopters of what God is doing. Um, Again, as as I said, I was just prepping this week And uh, I don't know, I try not to over-spiritualize things. And uh, I understand that I I don't necessarily think this is a message that's gonna hit everybody right between the eyes. Um, But man, I just had this feeling that there there are certainly people out there that just need to hear this and need to hear this question. Are you getting on board with the new thing that God is doing in your life? Are you getting on board with the new thing that God is doing in your life? Or are you holding on to the old, clinging to it, kicking and screaming, not ready to accept the new thing that God's doing in your life? Um, Now, I know without a doubt that the process is not going to be easy. I'm sure it's not. However, I do know that the outcome would be worth it. The outcome would be worth it. Even if it's something that sounds terrible to you right now, the outcome would be worth it. I, uh, I have some family friends and uh, it's been interesting. They're, I feel like they're not at the end of their transition. They haven't kind of arrived, but it's been a couple years in the making of a couple years ago, lost job, had to reduce kind of the lifestyle that they were used to. 
and uh, the Lord had a new business opportunity and it didn't really all make sense, but just kind of trusting and moving forward. And it was just kind of hard. It was, it was, a, it was a struggle just kind of working through this transition. And uh, it's crazy here, a couple years later, looking back, I had a conversation with them this past week and just hearing, man, the cool stuff that God's done and how that business thing that didn't really make sense back then makes a whole lot of sense right now. Uh, how the changes in heart in the, in the members of their family and his children, uh, just amazing to see what the Lord's done in their heart and how he's transformed and, and uh, yeah, just shaped them. And how back then he would have never thought that he would have enjoyed, would have liked, would have wanted what is going on now, but now wouldn't change it for anything. I, uh, man, I can't help think, but maybe today is the day that we need to release something and hold on to something, that we need to release the old thing that's been happening that we think that we need to cling on to. And we just need to cling to the truth that we can't receive anything apart from the Lord and just get on board with the new thing that he's doing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I, uh, I thank you for your word. Uh, I thank you for these amazing transitions that we get to look back at it in scripture. And, um, Lord, just thankful for this amazing, the best thing that's ever happened to humanity. Uh, even though it wasn't an easy process, Lord, we're thankful for it. Uh, Lord, I just pray for our people. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give them wisdom and discernment, uh, even to hear just from you, Lord. I, again, I understand that this might not be for everyone. Um, Lord, I pray for those people that have been trying to plug forward with their own plan that's not your plan. Um, Lord, I pray that you would remove any validation from that, even from the words that I'm saying. Lord, I pray that our people, I pray that we, Lord, would get on our faces and our knees before you, completely admitting our dependence on you for every single thing that we have. Lord, I pray that you'd give such wisdom and discernment for those that are in transition now, for where you want them to go, what you want them to do, Lord. Uh, Father, I'm so excited to look years down the road and to rewind to Corona time and think about, man, the crazy journey that the Lord brought us on. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd be doing a new thing, that you'd be doing a cool thing, an amazing work uh, that we can't even dream of. We never could have planned or imagined, wouldn't even have wanted, Lord. But when we look back, we see the beauty and um, just the wonderful thing that you did. Uh, Lord, I pray that you just give us uh, faith and trust in you because you are faithful and trustworthy. Uh, Lord, we need you more and more every day. We love you and pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Even in the storms I 
church. Well, just know that we love you. Want you to have a great week. Man, let's get on board with the new thing that God's doing. Love you guys. See you next time.